Ladies and gentlemen, we have to say it. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights winning their first Stanley Cup in history. It only took them six years. Hopefully sometime, maybe Maple Leaf fans can feel the same elation after a much longer wait. But congratulations nonetheless to the Vegas Golden Knights. And with that, it kicks off kind of the offseason where you have the draft. And we have none other than this man sitting with us right now. I want to make sure I don't mess it up. It's Jerome Barube, is it? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. He's joining us tonight to talk about the 2023 NHL entry draft. We got a lot of questions queued up for him tonight. And sitting beside me, as always, my co-host, Pete. The Heat. Pete, how's it going tonight? It's I'm doing well tonight, boys. How are we doing? Jerome, I, I the name is throwing me off, too. I see the accent of goose in there, and I'm just like, oh, I, I can't speak a lick of French, but uh, it's, it's Jerome, though, right? Yes, it, it is Jerome. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, Jerome, I want to ask you, why scouting? What got you into scouting? What makes you like it? What are you passionate about it? What brought that all about? Yeah, I, I guess uh, that's a good question. Um, I would mm-hmm. say uh, since, uh, since I was pretty young, I was always into like NHL draft, but also like, NBA draft, NFL draft. There's not much Major League MLB draft back, back then, but there's a lot of prospect to to follow, and I was an Expo fan, so we had the only thing going on going on for us. We had prospects, so I was all, always too into like uh, following the draft, also reading magazine about prospects. And as I grew older, I got really into it. And then junior hockey was pretty big um, where where I grew up. Um, Rimouski Oceanic moved there in '95, and I got into junior hockey because of that. And then obviously every Christmas, you know, you have the the world junior. So, yeah. So that's how I really got, you know, first of all, got aware of what junior hockey was. Um, And then, you know, as I grew older, I really got into it. And I thought I was pretty good at, you know, um, I guess I was a hockey nerd. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, watched a lot of hockey, and then I thought, you know, why not give give this a shot, see if I'm actually good at this. And, you know, it's been over 12 years now that I've been almost, yeah, almost 12 years with HockeyProspect.com. So, um, hockey prospects, Awesome. Awesome. And so, for so you, go ahead, Pete. I was going to say, what to, what exactly do you do at HockeyProspects.com? Like, what, what does your job entail? So, uh, the website has been, um, well, it's been existing since 2004. I came in around 2012 or 2011. Okay. It's been too long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we covered the NHL draft uh, primarily, but we also covered the OHL draft and also the Quebec Major Genocity draft. Um, so basically I, my, my title is like, it looks good on a Twitter, Twitter bio or my LinkedIn page, but like, I'm, I'm a scout. I scout, I go to games. I, uh, I see players. Uh, I guess with that title, I have a bit more, um, power as far as like, uh, when we do our rankings, I have a bit more, uh, a bigger say. Uh, and also I have to stay in touch with our other staff or, or other scouts that are, you know, 
uh, in Ontario, uh, out west, you in the U uh, USA or you know whatever. So, um, so that's a bit what I do, and as you know, maybe people wonder what what does a scout do? So other than watching hockey, uh, do you go in with like a plan to a game? Like, do, are there certain players you're there to watch, or do you just watch the game, see who's um, playing well, go from there? Yeah, so. Let's say I'm going to a Q game. I know exactly what I'm going to go see. But if it's um, let's say an international tournament, you have to be pretty, you know, open mind. Uh, you don't sometimes you don't even know any of the players. You're just going and pretty much in blind, basically. Um, and that's I think that's I I love doing this because uh, I love discovering new players. So. What's the biggest gem you found? Like, is there a player that you found that no one had on the radar, and you're like, "I know that kid's gonna be good." Oof. So many. Yeah, like <laughs> there's so much coverage now that it's tough to find a player that nobody oh, knows about. Um, I would have really, I would need really to think about it. Like, but since it's a Leaf podcast, um, <laughs> I, I will say it's not true. Like. A lot of people knew about him, but I would say we rank him very, very high. Was Matthew Nice? Um, two, yeah, two years ago, we rank him 13 overall in our list, and you know he went 57. Um, the Leaf knew him, like I, as far as I know, they had him rank around where we had him rank. Um, but you know he went 57 overall, and you know he was ranked a lot later on other lists than I saw. So I would. Since it since it's a, a leaf podcast, I will mention mention Nice uh, <laughs> as a possible answer. So with Matthew Nice, what drew you to him? What was his uh, what popped him off the page, so to speak, as a prospect? Because a lot of people say the same thing now that hindsight's you know always twenty twenty that he should have been drafted higher. But mm. what led you to that conclusion for him? Was it his physical play, the way he can can kind of control the puck and play along the boards and stuff like that, or? Is there something more to his game that maybe we don't even get to see yet? Yeah. Well, honestly, like he really had a bad start his draft year. Like his first, it was a COVID year, by the way. So a lot of, <laughs> it was a weird year for a lot of people. Um, but I would say like he really looked like type of power forward that every team needs. Um, he was, I think the second half of the year in the USHL, he was probably the one of the more dominant player in that league. Um, not be, not because he was like his stats were like I think he was just around a point per game, so it's not like he was a two point per game player, but just the way he played, like down low, just a high compete, just ne never stop. Um, his motor never stop, just and really great shot. Guys got a really really powerful shot great release um so there's like another of... player out there we know yeah <laughs> do you think he will be a good compliment i mean this year the least probably want to give him a bigger role do you think he'll be a good compliment with a player like austin matthews and maybe even mitch marner uh yeah sure um like i think i tweeted like when to sign him i i was trying to calm down the expectation of league fans on, on him i was like <laughs> okay like he's not gonna come in the playoff and just be like a, a big time, you know, a key player. And then he was basically when before he got hurt, like he was. So yeah, I expect him to to play like a solid role next year. Like I'm 
I'm not saying he's going to win rookie of the year or anything like that, but um, I think he's going to be like a very important and he's a playoff guy too. Huh? So like his style is, is built for NHL playoff. So, you know, whatever he, whatever he gets 30 points next year or 50 doesn't really matter. I think his, his value will, will, will really become playoff time. Yeah, one thing I really liked about him during the playoffs, and Pete, you could probably attest to this too, was when he came in, he was stripping guys of the puck. He had that confidence and poise to to play that style of game and wasn't afraid to really do those things where a lot of guys might be more tentative, you know, in case they make a mistake or lose an assignment. But he was doing things that, yeah, I mean, if he builds on them, wow, oh man, he might be a, a steal for the Leafs. And same thing that we thought about another Leafs player, Nick Robertson, but we'll talk about him. Uh, a little bit later on there for the Leafs prospects. But I want to ask you about the the 2023 draft here. In your opinion, you've covered a lot of drafts. You've seen a lot of different things happen. Is this a strong draft to you, or is it on the weaker side? What would you say there? Well, I wouldn't say – I would not say it's a great draft, but I wouldn't say it's a bad draft either. I think it's a, you know, decent to above average draft. Um, I think the the hype machine has gone a bit – too crazy on, on online since it's the Bedard draft. Yeah, I mean the top yeah. the top end is great, but yeah, you know, to have a, a really great draft, you need like um, you need a bit more depth. You need so like come like this year on in our book we have I believe we have nineteen players that have a A grade. So A grade is the first strong grade for us, and you know last year we had like I believe twenty three. So just to give you an idea of, we don't think this draft is as, you know, as amazing as people make it sound, but you're still going to get interesting players. So, but it's not 2003 and it's not 2015. So you think, you think last year's draft is way more, or at least more deep than this year's at least, based at on least, grading off hockeyprospects.com. Yeah. At least the, yeah. as far as like the first round talent, in the, I feel like last year I had a bit more, you know, uh, potential like real first round talent available. All right, all right. I know Pete's got a question about uh, Adam Fantilli. He wants to ask you. So yeah, what, so I'm going through hockeyprospects.com. I guess the hype train is real. Like from what I'm seeing, what I see on Twitter, the radio, everyone has Fantilli going at two. You guys have Leo Carlson going at two. Do you mind explaining? Uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. Well, it's not simple. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we value hockey sense, right? That's the number one thing we are looking for players because the smarter you, you are as a player, the easier it's going to be for you to translate to the next level. And we see a big a big difference between Paulson's hockey sense and Fentili hockey sense. So um, Fentili is a great player. What he does well, he does it exceptionally well, like skating, his skill level, uh, his compete level. It's all like high-end. But just the hockey sense is, is is lacking a bit for us. And interesting. And you know, Carlson is a he's one of the smarter players in, in this class. And uh his skill level, you know, is pretty high end as well. Uh and you know, he's a bit he's a bit raw too. Like he's got more development coming up. I feel like Fentili is closer to what I feel like you watch Fentili and you know this is what you're gonna get. Yeah. Carlson is it's a bit more raw. As it, there's more, there's more de- development coming up for him. 
So let me ask you about the hype train that is Connor Bedard. Obviously, uh, he's setting the world on fire. Everybody's wanting this guy. Chicago gets the rights to draft him, uh, getting first overall. If you had to, and this is a better question than asking what his strengths are, because we know what most of those are. Are there any weaknesses in Connor Bedard's game that maybe you've identified or others identified? Um, some people say maybe size, but I mean, you look at now in the NHL, there's a lot of smaller players that come through and are doing really well in the NHL the way it goes now. That's so I'm wondering right, if you there's something. Um, well, if you asked me that question two years ago, I would, I would have said probably the skating, but two years later, the skating has really improved. Um, you know, maybe is playing his own zone, play away from the puck could be better. And that's, that's going to be probably the biggest challenge for him coming next year. And also he's not going to play for a really good team next year either. So hmm. sometimes they're not going to have the puck too much. Uh, so um, yeah, I would say like his play away from the puck and as a center, like he, I don't know what, I mean, he's not a blocker yet, but I, we all know he's going to be a Blackhawks. Um, you know, are they going to play him at center next year? Are they going to try to, you know, uh, protect him a bit as far with his defensive game? We'll see. Um, but, uh, you know, if I have to pick one, I would say, yeah, his, his defensive game is probably the, the thing he needs to work on. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm just curious here, um, based on, I guess, your guys' analytics, uh, did do you have when you did the McDavid draft? Um, did you do you have him rated a bit higher than Bedard, or is it just an A rating? Do you mind? Uh, um, well, we don't really have a, like a. You don't compare yeah, players like I mean, that. Okay. If I compare, I've been watching both guys at the same age. I would say McDavid is ahead just because of it, the skating. It was it's, it was yeah. It's elite of the elite, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like. Yeah, Bedar improved his skating, but he's he's very far from being McDavid skating wise, and he also doesn't have McDavid size. Not that not that McDavid is a huge guy, but he's still a six six one uh, forward. So, well, I want to ask the Connor Bedard's game. Does it translate well to the NHL right away, or is he going to be a player that kind of needs to find his game at that level? And I look at a guy like Nathan McKinnon, who took a couple of years to really get rolling and get going with his body and his size. I'm wondering if Connor Bedard jumps in right away and showcases and shows everyone what he is, or is there going to be a little bit of time before the Connor Bedard show hits full stride? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question to answer because like he's going to Chicago, like what is the Chicago team going to look like mm. next year with him? Like, is he going to have enough help? Um, like, um, so yeah, one hundred percent, he will play in, in in the NHL next year. Um, what kind of impact? That's a tough one. Uh, like he has like one weapon that is is shot is yeah. Like I I his shot would translate to a, to the NHL. Like his shot is crazy good. One, one of the best best shot we we've seen. Um. So that will help him, but like as far as like his overall game, I think it might there might be some you know um, tougher games. I guess I would say for him next next season. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I mean Nathan McKinnon had some 
up and down moment as well. Uh, yeah. So it's, I mean, people forget it. Like it's, it's really hard to play at 18 in the NHL as, as good as you are. You're still a kid. It's, it's, it's a tough league, man. And yeah. you know, if you don't play for a good team, that doesn't help either. So um, it's going to be interesting. Like I don't expect, I mean, I don't expect him to score like 40, 50 goals next year. <laughs> I might listen. You guys can might call me a year from now and tell telling me I'm wrong on this one, but uh I expect him like a, a pretty pretty solid rookie season, but like I, I don't I don't expect him to challenge for a fifty goal season next next season. Yeah, I think he's gonna take a little bit of time to to mature and grow into the NHL, but he, he'll still have flashes of you know what will be Connor Bedard once he gets his footing and and a team around him as well. And it'd be interesting to see what Chicago does place around him. Even in the lineup, a guy like Ivan Barbashev has been mentioned already, who's a UFA, might be a good guy to slot beside him there in Chicago. Give him a little bit of a grit and a size and a body to play with. But uh, I want to ask you with this draft here, what is your biggest riser so far or a couple of risers that you've seen that maybe at the beginning of the year or even a year out, you looked at and said, this person's here, but now they've really... You know, we talked about Bernard skating, but someone who's really rose the rankings, in your opinion. Um, so from the start of the season, that's a good question. Just, like honestly, there's guys at the beginning of the year. I didn't. We don't know, so we we yep. we, we have to use this season as a to you know to find Evaluate, those. Players. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a like that's a good question. I mean, I got like Samuel Onzek. From a place for Vancouver in the WHL was a guy I didn't really know much about last year. Uh, he played he played in the Slovakia league last year, but I didn't really get a real good look at him. And then you watch him early on with Vancouver, you're like, "Whoa, that's that's a player. He's he's huge. He skates. He skates super well. One of the best skater in this draft class." So that'd be one guy you I could name, you know, Dmitry Simichev was a defenseman out of Russia. Same thing. Didn't really know much about him last year. And he was as soon as I saw him this year, I was like, Oh, that's a first round pick. Took it took like legit two shift. I'm like, yeah, that's a first round <laughs> pick. Uh, you know, just with that size and that skating was very obvious that he was a, a first round pick right away. But yeah, I guess it's it's a it's a tough question to uh, to really answer because it's not like we know everyone at the beginning beginning of the year. Uh, we have to. It takes time to really learn the class. So, so yeah, I guess that would be my answer. No worries. No, you gave a couple good names there, and I always look at that one because there's so many people that do jump off the page throughout the year, and people are looking at him like, "Wow, this guy really took strides." Whether it's in his skating, his shot, defensive play, whatever it is, even a goaltender, right? So I look at that question and just say, you know, there's there's obviously guys that maybe make themselves more noticeable should have been maybe the way I frame that. But uh, you gave a couple of great names there. I know Pete's got one on the other side of it. Uh, sorry, drawing a blank there, James. But For guys falling, you know, in the draft there, like someone maybe you had ranked a lot higher. We just talked about Fintilli, maybe not going second in your rankings. Right. But is there anyone else that you may think uh, maybe dropped a few positions here? And, uh, you know, we look at Matthew Nyes, another guy. You guys had ranked 13, got taken out of that round. Same with Nick Robertson. A lot of people said maybe would have been drafted in the first round, you yeah. know, et cetera, et cetera. Is there anyone that you may think that may uh, drop spot? Another guy I think of was last year, Brad Lambert. Yeah. You know, 
another player like that? Um, I mean, some guys just sometimes it just happens. They just have a really bad draft year. Um, so a guy like Cam Allen, who plays mm-hmm. for Guelph in the OHL, started the as a you know a first round talent on every list, and you know I have no idea where he's, he's going to get drafted. Like I, he could be a fourth round, fifth round pick now. Wow. Uh, another guy, a Slovak kid that plays in Sweden, Alex Cernik, same same thing. Started started as a potential first round pick, and you know who, who knows where he's going to go now. Like he's, he's really late on our on our list, like Allen. So I'm I'm guessing he's gonna go like between fourth and, and the sixth round. So happens every year. I remember uh, way back Nick Ebert was playing for Windsor, was thought as a potential, you know, uh first round pick, and he went like late in the seventh round in his yeah. draft year. So that we don't we don't always know why. <laughs> sometimes it's like off eye stuff, sometimes it's just the kids has lost like um doesn't like hockey anymore. Um, you never know. You never know why a kids stop. They stop progressing. Um, sometimes, sometimes, some some of them will bounce back the year after. I I saw yep. this few time in the queue. I, I remember uh, Maxim Contois in the queue. Ter- terrible in his draft year, and you know comes back the next year and he's one of the top player in the queue. So um, sometimes it just happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to ask you about the the Maple Leafs uh, draft this year, or lack thereof, really. They have a first-round pick that's 28th overall, a fifth and a sixth, which I think is 140th and 168th uh, beyond that. Um, for you, I, I want to know, I would love the Maple Leafs to be able to get a guy like Quinton Musty, who's ranked 18th on your list um, at the 28th pick. Um, am I out to lunch on that? Could he fall to that position? I've seen him variants on different lists i'm wondering for you it would that even be a player the maple leafs would go after i know they did speak with him at the combine um yeah. but i mean i look at him a left winger he's got some size can put up some points um you know obviously room to grow he's only i think 17 years old so you know be younger going into the draft as well um, not Quentin yeah i i actually be surprised if he's there at 28 um he's he's very he's very talented um, like you said, he's a big, he's a big kid, six, six foot two, six foot three. Uh, his skill level is really high end. Um, one thing actually surprised us this year was how good his playmaking was. It's not really something we saw last year, and this year his playmaking was, you know, a, a very big surprise for us. And he he became like one of the top playmaker in this draft. But you know, he still has like, there's a reason why he's 18 and not eight. Uh, the skating, the skating is a one question mark with him, and then his compete level is up and down from game to game. So, um, but you know, that's a guy anyway. If if he's there at 28, I think he'd be a great, great pickup for the Leaf, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't bet too much, too much money on on that. Is Uh, there a certain player you see the Leafs taking? Maybe a defenseman. I mean, James wants a left winger, apparently. But uh, <laughs> who do you see the Leafs picking? That's a tough one because, we, like, we don't know who's going to be there. But um, I, I know there's a defenseman in, that plays in Moncton in the queue, Etienne Marin. Um, that um, um, I heard, like, well, he said it himself that the Leafs were were really, uh, really 
positive in his uh, meetings with him. And he's a guy that talk about a riser during, during the year. That's a guy who, who made some pretty good progress over the, the course of the season. Um, so, and he's one of the best pure offensive defensemen in, in the draft. Um, so maybe he's an option at 28 for the Leafs. Um, and um, yeah, at that range, you, you can maybe guys get, get guys like uh, uh, another player from the queue, Ethan Gauthier, would be, uh, he's a hard-nosed, uh, energy player, a smart player also. So he might be a fit in that, you know, if the Leaf keeps the 28 pick, he could be a, an option there too. But it's a, it's really hard. It's really hard to predict how the, <laughs> the draft is going to unfold. It's a, it's a bit all, all over the map uh, this year, I, I find. So um, should be, uh, should be a really fun first round. I feel. No, it's definitely going to be a first round. Well, I want to ask you um, a little bit further on down the draft for the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously uh, the fifth and the sixth round, and that is a crapshoot, but there's a couple names I want to ask you about that I've looked at, and uh, we all love our right-handed defensemen. So at 140th, I looked at a guy like Hoyt Stanley uh, from the BCHL. Um, you know, has the ability maybe to develop into a top-four defenseman if brought along the right way, the right time. Um, you know, 38 points, 53 games. 187 pounds, six feet. You know, he has room to grow as well. Um, wonder what you think of a guy like Hoyt Stanley, or is that a name that's even crossed your mind? Yeah, I watched him a, a little bit. He didn't make our list, so he, uh, he was just outside of our, our list. Uh, so it, I think he's a nice, um, I guess, project pick for, for a team late in the draft. He's, so he, yeah, he put he posts some good numbers in the BCHL. Uh, he's going to college, I believe. He's going to Cornell, maybe one one of one of the Ivy League teams, um, I believe. Um, so that's a good project. You you put him in college for at least three seasons, let him develop, let let him, let him get better. I think one part of his game that we're not sold on him, and maybe that's a big reason why he didn't make a list was maybe the hockey sense was. A bit, uh, you know, too low for us to to put him on our list. Okay, but um, but yeah, so he's still he's still an, an interesting pick. Maybe late late in the draft for for a team. The the other guy that I had too is another right handed defenseman. I guess later on, way later in the draft, um, when Leafs select on the sixth round, um, was the overager for Seattle, Jeremy Hansel. Um, six foot, 196 pounds. Um, they really, uh, I guess some of the ramps on him said his defensive game has come a long way and was uh, one of the WHL's top penalty killers as an overager. Um, you know, you talk about projects and things like that. I look at the Leafs and say, you know, they have some defensemen coming in their system, but you know, it never hurts to have a couple more right-handed options, uh, coming through. Would he be a guy that would potentially be maybe a, a worth taking a flyer on in the sixth round if he's available? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we have him ranked top seventy-five. Okay. So, um, doesn't happen often. You have like a, a double, a, a guy that went through two draft. I guess drafting is, you know, basically his last year of agility. Yeah. Uh, but he's a very smart defenseman. I think he broke their. I'm not a big plus-minus guy. I think it's a overrated stats, but. Well, or WHL scout told me that he broke the all-time record for plus-minus. Yeah, he's a plus seventy this season. 
Yeah, and the WHL playoff, he broke the all-time record, I believe. Um, but very smart defenseman. Probably not going to be a super high offensive guy, but doesn't do a lot, doesn't do many mistakes on the ice and defends well, good good gap, good stick, um, good good to retrieve box as well, which is super important for a defenseman. So definitely uh, he would be a, a decent pickup if you have, like, you get him in the, you know, possible fifth, fifth round. Well, hopefully maybe the Leafs then instead of uh, Hoyt Stanley, maybe they chase after Jeremy Hansel in the fifth round with their pick and maybe scoop him up late there, hopefully anyways. Um, me and Pete want to know, obviously the Maple Leafs have some prospects in their system. A guy like Nick Robertson, who's been oft injured, um, is probably one of their blue chippers still right now. Hopefully he does come around this year and get to play uh, if he's healthy. Uh, Matthew Nye is another one, but I want to know, Outside of those two names, I mean, I'm heavy on the Toppy Nemola train. I really like what he brings. Um, another guy is Ronnie Hervinen. Uh, Is there someone in the Leaf system, maybe a Ty Void or something like that, that pops for you that you think maybe people are uh, overlooking a little bit or not thinking of? Even Fraser Minton comes to mind. Actually, that's a that's a good one. Um, Fraser Minton had a pretty pretty good year in the WHL. Um, we uh, we liked him in his draft year. Uh, we actually, we actually had in rank, but there was like a technical issue that made him disappear from our list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, I don't, I would, we have no idea how that happened, but hey, sometime, sometime uh, Excel will play some game on us. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that's one guy I would, I would mention as a potential like a, a nice pickup by the Leafs, um, smart player. Uh, I don't know if he's. You know, I'm gonna be a true, um, a true top six forward down down the line, but I think he, he looks like a solid a solid pro uh, in the future. Um, and, and honestly, guys, like um, like all the the other Leaf prospects, it's not like I I didn't watch them, but like I usually really focus on the NHL draft. So yep. a lot of, a lot of them, I've I've watched them a lot in their draft year, maybe like War Junior after, but. Um, is is only twenty four hours in one day. <laughs> well, that's why I figured I'd stick with guys that are kind of more recent, like the Nyes, the Robertsons. Yeah. Do you think Nick Robertson has a chance to succeed in the NHL, or has the label of a glass player already been bestowed upon him? Honestly, I don't. I I really don't know. Um, I I've not follow like I have not really followed him since maybe like his first time he got called up by the Leafs. Uh, yes. Since, since then, I've I've not really. You know, pay attention to uh, like I knew I know he's he's been hurt for quite a while. So yeah, I, and but I can't say I'm I'm, I'm watching Toronto Marley's games. Um, <laughs> see, uh, to see what's going on with the Leaf prospects. Come on, Jerome, we need you watching these. We need <laughs> we need more info. But uh, no, no, definitely, I, I get it. It gets twenty four hours. There's lots to watch and lots of hockey around the world to watch. And I guess you're in a lot of rinks as well, so you're watching things live. Um, one thing we wanted to do with you was the the five burning questions. Uh, sent them to you earlier. So the first one here for this five burning question segment brought to you by our sponsors, Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Um, the first one is one draft pick you saw coming that others weren't sure of. Um, yeah, I guess I answered that question already, but yeah. <laughs> I could that's say, my fault. Yeah, <laughs> I would say Matthew Nice. Like, but it's not really true. Like a lot of people knew about him. It's like I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew him, but nobody. No. Like, 
a lot of people knew about him, but I would say like we rank him really high, and nobody had him like really close to where we had him. So I guess that could be an answer. But like NHL team, obviously knew knew about him. A lot of pe- a lot of the NHL team had, had him in the first round. Just you know, it didn't it didn't happen for him to go to go high. Well, Toronto got themselves one, and I'm excited to watch him. I'm wondering one pick that you thought was a slam dunk, but wasn't. Hmm. Uh, Neil Yakupov doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I would not call them bust, but two guys I really like, and they actually play on the same team. So you're going to have a two for mm-hmm. one answer. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere and Capo uh, Capo. Uh, yep. yeah. I, I love both those players yeah. in their draft year. I saw, I've, I've been watching Lafreniere since he was 14 years old. Oh, he <laughs> so, so good in the juniors tournament, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he, his World Junior tournament was awesome, uh, and Kako was like tremendous in his draft year. Like he was as good as Jack Hughes. And for whatever reason, it's like they're not bad players. They're, they're no. pretty good third line player, but they they can't take the next step with the Rangers. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, so yeah, that would be my answer. But like, I still have faith in them becoming like pretty good NHLer. But they're still so young. The, the, they got lots of time to grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, we touched on it earlier. A guy like Nathan McKinnon took a little while, and people were wondering about him too. So, right situation, right time, the opportunities too. Things can happen to Papa. I'm wondering. Uh, next one is the strongest glass <laughs> glass strongest draft class in hockey prospects started in 04. Has to be 2015. Um, 2015. I was just looking through the the names. When you sent me the question, I'm like, "Oh my god, that class was ridiculous!" With you know, McDavid, Eichel, yeah, um, Marner, Rentanen, uh, Barzell. Uh, so yeah, that class was ridiculous. So it's, it was definitely the the the, be- the best class since I uh, well since 2004. Yeah, well, I put it in since 2004 because obviously the inception of hockey prospects. So. And see what uh, what came in there. So 2015 should the answer. Um, the biggest shock of a selection by a team where you're just like, whoa, that just happened. I know when Mort Sider was taken by Detroit, that caught some people off guard. Um, maybe not Detroit, but it definitely did. But now everybody says, well, you know, they knew what they were doing. Uh, yeah, is not, there one? Not for us. You? <laughs> not us. We we, <laughs> had, we had him tenth overall, which was too low. But you know, nobody had him as high as, as we did. And but even me, I was like, oh, okay, okay, the Red Wings, okay. But um, um, yeah, there's like a, a few over the years that have, I remember. Uh, was it two years ago? Columbus drafted uh, Chinnikov in the first round. That was yep. a second year eligible player, uh, and he goes in the first round. And the the best part of it was like the the broadcast on, on television they had no idea who he was like i knew he, we didn't rank him so it's not it's not like we did any better like i, I still knew the player but i was like oh that's 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 <laughs> like the worst nightmare for a broadcaster know. yeah, yeah. Uh, over the years like uh, i remember thomas icky went fifth overall to um was it the islanders it was uh, the islanders yeah. yeah that was a big surprise one uh, and then another one, actually, that one was a big surprise, but he ended up being a really good pick. Was uh, Blake Wheeler, fourth or mm. fifth overall, uh, fourth or fifth overall to Arizona, out of high school, 
he was, so he was a high school player. Um, so he went like fourth or fifth. That was a, I think that was 2004, uh, if I'm if I'm not wrong. Um, I believe you are right. Yes. But uh, everyone was shocked. But uh, you look at he had a pretty good career. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Nothing to snub your nose at. That's for sure with Blake Wheeler. Yeah. And the last one for the the fire burning question is the the best host city for the NHL draft that you've either been to or have heard stories about. Uh, the best I've been to was shocking Florida. Um, <laughs> nice weather, I hear. Yeah, actually, like my my first time going to Florida, so that was pretty cool. But okay. the whole the whole things was was really cool. Uh, like the, obviously the beach. There was a a pre draft pre draft party hosted by uh, by Jeff Marek that I went to. Um, and you know everything everything is pretty chill in florida so uh, i'm sure it was a chill time (laughs) so yeah that was my that was the my my best draft experience honestly like last year was in montreal but i was like i live i live here but it was kind of i honestly was a bit you were underwhelmed yeah i was a bit disappointing with last year it was not as not as fun as uh, i thought it, it would be I thought the crowd was a little the crowd was definitely into it it was yeah, uh, yeah. The, yeah. actually the first round was like it was great i was just i was actually like uh enjoying myself because i kind of knew much i was not going to go with shane wright and <laughs> everyone in the you, crowd thought shane wright was going to be the pick yeah, you guys called that you you guys uh, called uh what's his name slavkovsky to go first yeah yeah so but like i mean we didn't call we we, we rank him first as our number yeah. one guy but we had when we did the rankings, we had no clue what Montreal Fair. was going to do. But yeah. the day of the draft, I kind of knew that it was not going to be uh, Shane Wright. But just to see the, the complete, like, crazy reaction from the crowd, that was that was cool. But I meant more as a, like, outside the actual draft, like, the you know, meeting. Gotcha. People, the atmosphere like, outside yeah. around yeah. it. I remember, like, day two of the draft, there was, like, a, a Rogers phone all went down. So no one could use their cell phone. <laughs> I remember that. I was yeah. actually at Cavendish Music Festival when that happened. Yeah. You're out in the middle of nowhere with no phone all of a sudden. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's my day two. The, the day two, that's what I remember the most is not a single, you know, cell phone working in, in the Bell Center. <laughs> now, did you, for Sh- when Shane Wright was picked, what was the crowd's reaction? And like, was he, do you think he was actually staring at the, the, the Montreal Canadiens. I actually didn't see that. I only saw no. this after, but like live, I didn't. I didn't really. It, it's hard to see, I guess. Yeah. Right. I didn't see it live, but I saw it like after. I was like, huh. I was not. Uh, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure, uh, but I mean, sometimes we forget, man. Like those kids are 17, 18 years old. So much like hype with that giraffe. The crowd in Montreal, like. It, they were crazy that night. Um, you know, <laughs> I I remember when I was 17 years old, like, forget it. Like, I would have not handled this moment really well, I think. So I, I give enough. props to all those kids. They're a lot more mature than that I, I was. At oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have been, I don't know, stomping my feet or whatever. But I definitely would have been pointing at that table once I got up <laughs> on stage, you know, making sure they knew that they made a mistake. Um, for you going into the draft, we'll, we'll switch off the burning questions and just ask this one here. Um, what is it like? Do you guys go on site? Is it every draft you guys go to, um, or is it just certain ones? And what does that look like for you guys day of and stuff like that? 
Um, I'm not going this year, um, but usually uh, my boss will go pretty much every year. Um, so, um, I mean, there's like a media party going on. Um, usually, now it's it is, usually it's like, so I think this year the draft is a Wednesday night. Yeah, it's so, a little different. Yeah, so it's a bit weird. Uh, I used to go, it was always on the weekend uh, since, um, I guess since ESPN got the NHL deal, they're, they're doing a midweek draft. Um, well, uh, I mean, last year, I believe, was a midweek draft. Um, so usually there's a draft, uh, a draft party on the Tuesday, well, the day before the draft, I guess, or even two days before the draft sometime. Um, so usually like you, you hang out with the media, uh, you meet like other scouts and, and all that. So, um, so I guess that would be, uh, what like that, that's exactly what happened during, uh, like the day prior to the draft. Now, when the draft happens, you guys have your list and you guys have all come to your conclusion of what's going to happen from your perspective. When you're there, do you guys like have your like checklist with you and and go? We got that one, that one, that one, that one. Just just to see how it goes. I know at home, I know us fans do that. We yeah. Like draft and think that we did it right, but I mean, as a professional, when you're there, is that the same thing? You guys are running through like, okay, hey, we're rolling right now. We got twelve in a row. This. Um, I mean, me personally, I do it. I just because I, I always want to know who's like number one on our list for each picks. So, yep. I mean. Every initial team does the same thing. So I just have my, you know, my Excel sheet open and I just cross guys that get draft just to see, you know, at pick number 16, who's going to be our top guys. So that's, that's what I do with my, on my, uh, my computer. I just, uh, I just like cross guys as, as they get picked. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Well, I'm looking forward to the draft this year. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Leafs may do with their pick. I mean, it's not Kyle Dubas anymore, so maybe it won't be traded and, you know, traded down for two more picks or attached to a goalie to send him out of town. Uh, one thing I want to ask you, and I know you may not know this one, but there's been a lot more uh, chatter leading up to this draft about trading and trading picks and player movement and stuff like that. Uh, do you get the same kind of vibe where it's not, you know, like you said, not the strongest draft, not the weakest, but it's in the middle of the playing field. Do you think teams will be more apt to move things around? Mm, that's a, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I, honestly, I don't know. Um, because I don't know how teams feel about the draft. Like, I, I have a sense of what, like, they, which player they like. But, like, usually there will be a lot of picks traded when it's a, it's a bad draft. Because teams okay, are yeah. like, oh. um, pick number 25 is the same for me if I get pick 40. You know, I, I'm gonna get the same caliber of player. So it depends. Uh, it depends on the range of where they pick players and where they rank them. Um, so I don't expect a lot of trades for like a top, the top 15, top okay. 20 picks. But I think once you get in the last third of the first round, I think you might see a bit more movement. Um, I still, you could see, you could see, still see some movement in the top 20, but. Usually every year, the more the bigger movement are happens after like the, the let's say like the last third of the first round. Yeah, really. Once the first, I guess the top twenty is gone, it gives teams a better gauge of where they're going to be picking at and what they might have a chance at. 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it all. Um, hopefully looking forward to getting you back on maybe in the summertime and see where your ranking shook out and how uh, everything went for you guys. But I want to thank you very much, Jerome, for taking the time with us and uh, jumping on to talk about the draft coming up in the Maple Leafs. Hey, my pleasure, guys. All right, Appreciate well, ladies and gentlemen, you know the chill right here. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.